but however, the young buck, LaMelo coming in on this big stage. You talk to anyone down in Charlotte, he's in the gym. All right, I think this is definitely a leak, but are we really surprised? If you ask me, I think Melo fully deserves to be an all-star. I mean, I'm happy for the guy, but what about Lonzo? I mean, like, at the end of the day, though, are we surprised? What's up, guys? Welcome to the Laced Up Podcast. Are we being trolled right now, Mike? What the fuck? Can I walk off right now? <laughs> don't deserve LeBron James, all right? It's insane. And you deserve exactly what happened to Chicago over the past decade. <laughs> so how'd you and your ex-girlfriend break that? <laughs> Bro! <laughs> Kidding! Was it because you were bad at basketball? <laughs> yeah. Yes! so much to talk about today. I mean, LaMelo Ball was leaked as an all-star potentially. We don't know what's the deal with Lonzo Ball. The Los Angeles Lakers stink even more than they did before. Everybody uh, in the NBA might get traded. We have a lot to talk about. But first, what up, Get Like Coop? How was your weekend, brother? Well, my weekend was actually pretty chill, Mike. How about you? Um, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy, pretty hectic, um, for reasons not pertaining to basketball, of course, and pertaining to basketball at the same time. We have so much to discuss here, but before we get to everything, guys, if you want to catch these episodes just six hours sooner on your drive to work or on your drive back from work, you could follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I want to give a huge shout out to the uh, most recent people to leave feedback on Apple. We really appreciate all of your support. Our brother, Mike Corzemba, unfortunately, he got the Rona. Um, he's still out. His uh, breathing isn't feeling... Uh, 100% there yet. So we wish him a uh, speedy recovery. We miss you, brother. And uh, get like Coop. Let's talk a bit about the All-Stars because there's a lot of controversial All-Star selections. One being leaked in LaMelo Ball, but let's start with an All-Star starter. I'm sure you heard about Andrew Wiggins making the All-Star team. Yeah, I, I definitely heard about Andrew Wiggins making the All-Star team. I'm happy for Andrew Wiggins. But I'm sad for the All-Star game, if that makes sense. I think that's probably as perfect as I could sum up the whole situation. Wiggins has been balling this season. He's been he's been he's been doing good. You know, he's looking like one of the better two-way players in the league. So I can't be mad that Andrew Wiggins is necessarily playing in the game, as crazy as that sounds. But being an all-star starter, that that just feels a bit extreme. In order to make it as an all-star starter, one, you have to win a pretty major popularity contest. I mean, you have to be like beloved by millions and millions of fans. And I respect what Andrew Wiggins does. And I think he's come a long way in reinventing himself. And he's fulfilling the potential that I saw in him when he was traded to Golden State. I early on in my career, Coop, you know this, like in 2017, I got roasted yeah. by a lot of the NBA community for dying on the Andrew Wiggins hill. You know, they tried uh, to tear you apart, Mike. I was there, bro. I saw that. You yeah. were one of the few that believed in Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I was sending kids to school with horrible Andrew Wiggins takes. And uh, fortunately, this one was one that came into fruition. He finally became an all-star. Um, 
obviously didn't turn out to be the player that was like tearing up the league. You know, they were saying he was going to be like the next McGrady or the ne- or like kind of similar to like Vince Carter ish, like not necessarily, but I think he fulfills his role really well. I think what he does for Golden State is very valuable. It's really hard to find players that are willing to fit their role. I made a uh, comparison very early in his career and when he got traded to Golden State that maybe Andrew Wiggins isn't Tracy McGrady, you know? Maybe he's meant to uh, play more of a James Worthy type of role. Really good player, you know, but not necessarily a player who the offense runs through, and he's doing great at that. And James Worthy was a multi-time All-Star as well. Okay, so that's an interesting comparison. I'm just going to um I'm just going to say this. One of the main reasons the Warriors traded for Andrew Wiggins was because they liked the size. I know Corzimba got mad at me for saying that like 6-8 players are at a premium, but I mean, I think it's so true. You know, um when you got 6-8 guys that could defend like Andrew Wiggins now can and you have 6-8 guys who are skilled, they're just so they're they're a commodity at the NBA level if they can play at the NBA level that is now. In the Andrew Wiggins trade, I'm pretty sure the Warriors got Jonathan Kaminga. Do we think that the Minnesota Timberwolves regret this trade? Maybe even like a little bit. I actually also saw that Zach Levine recently commented on the Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine trio that was going down in Minnesota. Mike, did you see that? I did see that. I did see that. I don't necessarily know if I agree with him. The exact quote is, realistically, we only had two to three years. Everybody wanted the process to happen so fast and let's be good so fast. I don't think they let it marinate enough for us to really see what could have happened. This was Zach Levine on playing with Wiggins and Cat via the Draymond Green show. And I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I mean, I actually, you can make arguments for both sides. On one hand, whenever you're a market like Minnesota, you have the opportunity to get a player like Jimmy Butler, you need to go out and pull the trigger on that player, especially if there's familiarity between Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau, which I was kind of confused about because I was under the impression, and I wish Corzemba was here to uh, verify this or not, but I was under the impression that Jimmy Butler had a very tumultuous relationship with Tom Thibodeau towards the end of his career in Chicago. So I was really shocked that Tibbs wanted Jimmy Butler again. But at the same time, I remember before Jimmy Butler was traded for, Andrew Wiggins was coming into his own. Do you remember that game he had against Kobe Bryant? Like very I early actually, in his career? No, I, I don't recall that one at all. He had this game against Kobe Bryant where he dropped 30 Kobe dropped 38 points, Andrew Wiggins dropped 35 and 2 and the Minnesota Timberwolves were actually able to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And that was kind of like when I saw that I said all right, there's potential here. The issue with Wiggins in Minnesota was he wasn't aggressive enough. He wasn't able to get a head coach that was able to bring that out of him. And something that is very under the radar and swept under the rug is how drastically he improved when he went to Golden State. Whenever I say if a player could improve their three-point percentage, I don't necessarily always expect them to 100% improve it because it's a very, it could be a very tasking thing to do when people have been calling your work ethic into question throughout the majority of your career. And when the team that gave you a huge contract trades you at the age of 24, um, to a different team and you're shooting 33% from three at that point, it's kind of difficult to imagine you becoming a 
a 40% three-point shooter while 41% three-point shooter at a specific point. And that's what Wiggins was able to do. And as a result, I think he definitely, I don't know if he's necessarily all-star starter worthy. I could respect the fact that he's on the all-star team. I definitely think he should be in the conversation for most, well, not most improved because he was always averaging 20 points per game. It's just his contributions are very valuable to the Golden State Warriors. And I'm glad that he's getting some sort of recognition for it. So did you hear how Wiggins pretty much got into the all-star game? And before you even answer that question, is it time to start looking into the process that goes into selecting NBA All-Stars? I think so. I definitely think so. You think I mean, so? I mean, you have Clay Thompson that was like getting all these votes to be an All-Star starter, and he only played like a handful of games. I think, you know, fan voting should be a part of it, but I feel like there's I feel like there if you're trying to do right by if you're trying to keep the prestige of being an all-star, it needs to be changed. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to change it. Fan, the engagement the NBA gets from people voting for all-stars is insane. Why would they change it? So you, did you hear about like how Wiggins was selected to be an NBA all-star? How? Uh, no, I so didn't. So there's this K-pop artist that goes that goes by the name Bam Bam. The Warriors hired Bam Bam as their ambassador for marketing or social media something along those lines i'm really sorry that I, I i don't have it all right in front of me but so you know they hire bam bam to you know get social media on lock run things market you know do a, a whole bunch of cool things for the golden state warriors so bam bam has this massive influence so many fans and he happens to be a golden state warriors fan what does he do he drives in a ridiculous amount of votes for Stephen Curry and also Andrew Wiggins. Now, this isn't the only thing that went into Wiggins becoming an all-star, and I don't want it to necessarily seem that way, but I do think it was a major factor given how much influence and, I don't want to say power, but how much influence Bam Bam has over you know this, this whole process. So Wiggins also finished top six in like the player and coach vote. So it's not like Wiggins just kind of snuck his way in. Players and coaches were voting for him too, which is awesome if you ask me, but still it's 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 intense to say the least. I think you've seen this in the past whenever whenever things are like a little thin at a particular position or whenever a team is absolutely dominating during the regular season, which I guess you could say the Golden State Warriors have been very dominant this year, not as much as they were in the beginning of the year, but they still are performing really, really well. Then typically you'll see a role player sneaking into the all-star game. You've seen Draymond Green make it to the all-star game with below average statistics, but that's because he was such an important part of a very like dom yeah i'm gonna say like draymond's team. like a hall of famer easy draymond it might be like a yeah different, of course that might be a little different but i see what you're trying to say i mean draymond is in my opinion 100 percent a hall of famer it's just you don't look at draymond green's statue and say whoa you know what incredible statistics it's one of those things where you have to watch him play and say this man clearly impacts the game at a very unorthodox level that we're not used to seeing which, of course, I agree with you. I wanted to talk about another man that made it to the All-Star game before we get into the trade talks and how badly my Lakers stink. And that's LaMelo Ball. 
LaMelo Ball made it to the All-Star, uh, made it to the All-Star game, according to that leak, which I believe. I think that that leak is 100% true. I don't think I could see it being a situation where, you know, the news wasn't out there yet and they put it uh, they put it up there regardless. But I see it being true. I feel like I, I know the NBA isn't necessarily like the WWE, but they do go out of their way to push what they believe to be the stars of tomorrow. I think this is LaMelo Ball's push, if you ask me. And he's significant. He's so electric that you have people buying NBA league pass just to watch the man play. He's not, he's significantly more flashy than his brother Lonzo. Although who's the better player. Eh, that's a, that's a conversation for a different day. I think he made it. And there's definitely a possibility. And if anything, you could say it's a likelihood that LaMelo made it and his brother Lonzo didn't. So, how do we feel about that? And do you agree with it? And how do you feel about LaMelo Ball making it to the All-Star game in the second year? If LaMelo really did make the All-Star game, I mean, I think it's I think it's well-deserved. I think there is a certain star power that comes with being an NBA All-Star. I know that's a little contradictory to what we said earlier, but uh, I think for some players, there's definitely that star power that meets that talent. And LaMelo has that. You know, I know people that have watched Ball in the Family and they don't follow a bit of the NBA, but they follow LaMelo Ball. They follow Lonzo, but they don't mess with the NBA. So I think ultimately LaMelo Ball making the All-Star game is good for the NBA. You can say what you want about basketball, but I mean, he's got the talent. He's He's got everything that comes with this. Shout out to LaMelo Ball, man. 20 points a game this season, seven boards, eight assists. Bro is hooping. Yeah, I think we I agree with you. And I think we've reached a point where a mature NBA fan understands that they're two separate players, Lonzo and LaMelo. Both are remarkable. LaMelo Ball is the face of a franchise that is so transcendent that he's making the Charlotte Hornets relevant and very fun to watch. I could watch LaMelo Ball play basketball for hours. He is so freaking entertaining to watch, not only on the court, but off the court. He's extremely flashy. He gives interesting sound bites. He's a personality. Lonzo has always been very quiet, cards to his chest, and more of a key member uh, and a good teammate. You know, not necessarily a face of a franchise, but a really good player that could play a role on a good team which is what he is to the Chicago Bulls. And that's okay. The man still makes millions of dollars. He's still belo- he's still loved by all the NBA. I could see Lonzo having maybe like a couple of all-star appearances to his career, but I don't necessarily see him as a player that is consistently going to be an NBA all-star. Just like the pre-draft comparisons, I think of his career as being very similar to Ricky Rubio, but in terms of what he brings to us on the basketball court, it's like Ricky Rubio plus, in my opinion. Okay. Because defense. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a strong take. I mess with it. I mess with it. So at the time that we're recording this, the flight mic, microphone, MIMS227, Ah, bro. <laughs> His Lakers have fallen not only below 500, but they've fallen to the ninth spot in the Western Conference. And I want to say that that New Orleans Pelicans pick, or my bad, that Lakers pick 
is looking better every single day. Mike, how are you feeling right now about the Lakers and their recent struggles and the announcement that LeBron James may possibly miss six straight games? I mean, I feel like at this point, bro, just shut LeBron down for the rest of the season. Whoa. Like, I, I don't want to see this man putting Whoa. miles on his body for no reason. You know, like, it's like without LeBron, no, without LeBron James, like clearly this team is lost. And it's just so frustrating. We just got Anthony Davis back and we're on a three game losing streak. Like, but Westbrook's the, been looking good, Mike. Westbrook's been looking good. We're on a three game losing streak, bro. but the triple doubles, Mike. We, I don't know the fuck the triple doubles, bro. The triple like, doubles. No, the hell with the triple doubles, bro. <laughs> I'm tired of that, man. It's so freaking frustrating. Are you kidding me? No, I, I, I'm gonna chill a little bit because I know people are listening to this in the morning, and I don't want to ruin your vibe or anything like that. But come on, man. We lost to the Hornets. You know, like, but, but you just comes, said Lamelo's. You said Lamelo's an all star, Mike. I There's know, no shame I, in that. I, 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 no, I know Lamelo is an all star, but like, bro, I could imagine Malik Monk during this past offseason is like, yeah, I'm getting an upgrade over here. You know, I'm leaving the Hornets. I'm going to the Lakers. I'm playing with LeBron. I'm playing with AD. I'm playing with Russ. Bro, we lost to the Hornets. We lost What's to the Hawks. The Hornets. We lo we lost to the Sixers, who are a good team, but we got the killed Hawks by the Sixers. have been better recently too, bro. The Hawks are the Hawks have been really the Hawks have actually been pretty good recently. We be, but we, I see what you're saying. It's not what you want. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's not what you want. It's not I mean, ideal. It's I, I mean, it, it, it's tough, bro. So let's 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 play a little hypothetical. I know there's going to be some people that are mad at this. If if the Lakers were to shut LeBron James down, or you know let him get 100 healthy before returning, and it just so happens to be a prolonged absence. Where do you think the Lakers would finish in the Western Conference? Without LeBron? Without LeBron James. Let's assume he misses 15 more games. I, I, I'm saying, like, we should just give up on the season, man. If he, if he misses Bro, 15 more games. Y'all don't, like, don't have your pick, though. That's my only thing about that. I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm just, at this point, maybe preserve LeBron for next year. Don't risk any injury. Like, I, I, I don't even, I can't even come up with, I know I sound like a madman. I can't come up, I can't come, they're not going to shut down LeBron, first of all. This is just me saying in a creative way that I gave up on the Lakers this season. But I'm just looking at their last games, man, over the past month. And there are some absolutely pathetic losses over here. You know, there's losses to the uh, the Grizzlies are a good team, but there is a three game losing streak from January 9th to the 15th between the Grizzlies, the Kings and the Nuggets. Then we beat the Jazz by six and we got our hopes up. I posted a meme onto my I posted a meme onto my story of this where the Lakers stink. Then they start getting it together. Then we all get our hopes up and then they start stinking again. And it's like a cycle. And that's. That's literally what I'm seeing here. They lose. They beat the Utah Jazz by six. They lose to the Pacers by seven. Then they beat the Magic. Who cares? It's the Magic. We lose to the Heat. Then we beat the Brooklyn Nets by 10 who don't have anyone playing. They literally started a G League team um, during that game next to James Harden. Then we lose to the Sixers by 18, the Hornets by three, the Hawks by eight. Look, man, like we can't even beat like play in teams. You know, I know LeBron is you, out, but you are a you are a playing team. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> my bad, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay, I'm man. Sorry. We deserve my this. Bad. We deserve <laughs> this. We just no, no, no. We deserve this. I mean, the worst okay. part is, the worst part is, there's no solution to this. They put 
all of their eggs in the let's trade for Russell Westbrook basket. And LeBron James deserves this because in the offseason, Rob Polinka wanted to trade for Buddy Heald. It made sense to trade for Buddy Heald. But LeBron James and Anthony Davis both came up to him and said, no, Russell Westbrook, a former MVP. We want to play with former MVP. Trade for Westbrook. Then they gave up all of their high-end role players, which I know back then we weren't calling them high-end role players. And I hated Kyle Kuzma a year ago and I would roast Montrez Harrell. But yeah, high-end role players for one player that is tanking his value as the season continues on. Whoa. And now we're stuck. Don't do my guy Russ like that, man. Don't do my guy Russ. No, All right, look, Mike, I'm about to give you, I'm about to give you some stats, bro. I'm about to give you some stats, bro. Check it out. Check it out. I don't think Westbrook has missed a game this season. Okay. Okay. Not bad, right? He's he's been healthy. He's been healthy. Without LeBron James, he's averaging 22.6 points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, and 8.4 assists per game. Now, here's the fun thing. He's been efficient. Not only has he been efficient shooting 45.7% from the field, but he's also knocking down 37% of his three-point shots. Throughout the stretch without LeBron? Russell Westbrook, and I think this is on like an eight or nine game sample size, so it's not the smallest sample size. He's actually played relatively well without LeBron James. Now, I think we've talked about this on the pod before, but it definitely takes a certain type of player to fit in well and mesh with LeBron James. When you guys traded for Anthony Davis... It's a perfect trade. I mean, he's he was the ideal guy to play alongside a high-level creator, a ball-dominant player like Braun. So Westbrook still does have some talent, regardless of what everybody's saying. He's just, like you said earlier, probably not the ideal fit for LeBron James. You know what's funny, Mike? I actually saw that some people said that Braun's just chilling right now, trying to drive up that trade value. You think that's true? <laughs> Could you see that? Braun's just <laughs> like, yo, Westbrook, do your thing. Go get 30 a night. And, and let's get that trade value up. <laughs> He's literally throwing a Hail Mary because I know the Lakers have tried to offer Talon Horton Tucker and like their 2027 first round pick. And then like Kendrick Nunn, who has yet to play for us, just so they could get something in return that's like worth it for Russell Westbrook. But the but at the end of the day, man, this is LeBron James's fault. He wanted to play with another star. He was willing to sacrifice depth to do it. He thought a 37, don't get me wrong, Carmelo Anthony's playing way above his age, but he thought a team filled with mid 30 year olds was able, were, were going to be able to get it done. And this is the result that you get. And it sucks because it would be incredible if there was a way for us to somehow trade for Buddy Heald right now, it, which I know the Sacramento Kings are making him available in trade talks, but there's no way they would want Russell Westbrook. Um, and this isn't a knock on Russell Westbrook, man. I, I say this all the time. The guys from California, he went to UCLA, my alma mater. You know, I'm always rooting for him. When he got traded to the Lakers, I said, all right, it doesn't make sense, but this is somebody that I could root for and I actually genuinely want to succeed. But it's just his attitude throughout this entire year. It was just very frustrating. He, he There was a point where he came out and said, hey, I could turn the ball over if I want to. He got benched at some point and he didn't take that really well. If I'm Frank Vogel at this point, bro, like your job is on the line. 
If this team doesn't make it to the playoffs or loses in the play-in, they're not going to blame Westbrook. They're stuck with Westbrook. They're not going to be able to trade Westbrook probably until the offseason, and they're going to let. Uh, they're probably going to roll with the team they have now. But if they lose in the play-in or if they fail to make the playoffs, you're the one that's going to get fired. They're not going to blame Westbrook. So I would do something drastic. Bring Westbrook off the bench and uh, – I've been saying this for quite some time, but that's all you could really do, assuming that you're going to roll with this team over the next season. So I saw a very interesting stat that the Los Angeles Lakers lead the league in pace by a wide margin when I think LeBron James is out. That is uh, definitely, definitely a crazy stat. Well, because for one, we know Russell Westbrook loves to push the pace and Russell Westbrook playing fast is what makes him you know, so much of a threat, but also is uh, not ideal at times with the turnovers and the poor decision making. The NBA trade deadline is right around the corner. We're talking February 10th, a Thursday. I'm talking right around the corner. Now, we know this NBA season, especially there's been so much speculation about players that are just going to get moved, end up in different locations, different destinations. Are there any players that currently stand out to you, Flight Mike? I think the most interesting one would probably be in Portland because you have two pieces that theoretically could be moved there, although Damian Lillard is injured. And if the Portland Trailblazers decide to tank, they're reportedly going to build around Damian Lillard as opposed to trading him and starting over. But it's still something you'd imagine that they would entertain. Um, obviously they also have CJ McCollum with, with CJ. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I, okay. So there's like this section of Pelicans fans that just commit to, they, they had, they pick a different player to commit to every week. Last week it was De'Aaron or like two weeks ago it was De'Aaron Fox. This week, everybody wants CJ McCollum. If you say anything bad about CJ, they're going to be on your head. Now, my thing with CJ is I, I just, I don't know. If he's a player that I would want a team like the New Orleans Pelicans to go out and get, I think he does bring some good things to the table, but there are some things that worry me. Um, you know, he's making $30 million per year. He's a great scorer. He's a great shot creator, but at the same time, he's a terrible defender. He's a very poor defender. Um, there's actually no position on the court that he defends well. And, you know, if you got Zion, who's not an ideal defender, you got B.I., who's been, you know, getting better. But you, you also got C.J. and then you got Jonas, who, who can't guard screening roles too well. It's, 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 it's a little messy there. Uh, when it comes to C.J. McCollum, Mike, what are your thoughts on him and a potential move for the Portland Trailblazers? It really just depends on what the Portland Trailblazers want to do at this point. If they want to build around Damian Lillard, which I really think they shouldn't, I think they should just reset altogether, then um, obviously you have to trade a player like CJ McCollum. Another player that they could trade is Robert Covington, which they gave up two first round picks for. Unfortunately, it didn't really pan out for them. Um, and uh, they also, at this point, I'm pretty much suggesting an entire blow up. You know, you could trade Yusuf Nurkic, but Nurkic hasn't really, um, Nurkic has been playing a little bit better since uh, the middle of January, but overall, he hasn't had the season most of us have been hoping for. And of course, Larry Nance Jr., who they traded for in the offseason as well. Um, 
I, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, man. I don't think this team is worth fighting for. I feel like Portland has better days ahead if they if they sell high on this, if they sell high on the talent that they have currently. Um, but of course they have this like both Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers have this like strange infatuation with each other. So I don't know. We're gonna have to wait and see. When it comes to CJ, I think. It's just tied to his, I think a CJ trade is tied to what the Blazers value him as. Because, I mean, like, I, I could see him getting moved, but at the same time, are the Blazers going to be one of those teams that are trying to Ben Simmons the situation? Which is, you know, where you're trying to get way more than a player is currently worth. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. A move that I've been just dreaming that would happen is a is a De'Aaron Fox trade I think the Sacramento Kings definitely have incentive to not necessarily tear it down but see what they could get for De'Aaron Fox I think I think the, the Kings becoming sellers trying to do a soft rebuild around Tyrese Halliburton and you know bottoming out going get one of those top picks is, would be one of the best things that could happen for Sacramento I honestly don't remember the last time the Sacramento Kings picked top five. And for a team that's been consistently bad, that's a little alarming. And, you know, it's I, I just don't remember. So that doesn't mean that it hasn't recently happened. I just it, it's in, on my recent memory. I don't remember the last time the Kings had a top five pick. Right. Um, well, they had a top 10 pick, you know, like they're still bad. And the Kings have been getting worse and worse over the past couple of years. So I could imagine, here's the thing. You and I are part of the same fantasy football league or you're part of a fantasy basketball league. And what's the number one issue that people typically have when they play fantasy sports? Trades don't tend to happen because they happen to overvalue their players. And I think in this instance, the Sacramento Kings probably overvalue their players a bit. The Portland Trailblazers oh are also goodness. overvaluing their players a little bit. What's okay, up? so I'm sorry to cut you off. I actually just pulled it up. So in 2017, the Kings picked top five. They picked De'Aaron Fox. So you got in the top five and you got a franchise caliber player. In 2018, of course, they picked Marvin Bagley. You got in the top five. You had shot at multiple franchise players and you blew it. That is definitely not great. Sacramento King fans this past year you were right Mike they got in the top 10 and they got Davion Mitchell the unfortunate reality for Kings fans is they won a lot of unnecessary games at the end of last season and they played themselves out of the player that they truly wanted and Franz Wagner Kings fans Kings front office if you're watching this podcast just be bad man I know you guys could turn it around this season I have faith in you but I mean, what are you going to do this season? Just, just, just become sellers. Go. You don't want to miss out on another Franz Vag Wagner. We missed out on Halliburton by a, a, a coin flip. Lose those games. Lock in, man. You guys got this. I mean, here's the thing. Even if they do improve their draft position a little bit more, I'm fairly confident that they'll mess it up. You know, like they they hit on De'Aaron Fox, was, but was hitting on De'Aaron Fox really worth it? Because the reason they didn't draft Luka Doncic was because they felt like they had a primary ball handler in De'Aaron Fox. You know, they it just seems like there are instances where I feel like legitimate scouting does pay off in um, 
the NBA draft. And then there's instances well, where I've go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it was worth it because I think when you draft in the top five, you just draft when you draft top 10, you just draft the best player available. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are living proof of that. Shout out to Darius Garland, man. I hyped him up early in the season when he was only averaging like 14 points. He's been killing it. I said he could be an all-star, a superstar, and, you know, he's proving me right. And I also said Halliburton looked a little like uh, Steph, which is which is also looking a little good. But, yeah, I think the the Cleveland Cavaliers are a great example of, you know, you got to you gotta draft for, you know, best player available. You can't be drafting for fit. Top five. I mean, back to what you were saying about the Kings. I don't see them moving on from De'Aaron Fox. I feel like this is going to be a situation where they're going to try to trade Marvin Bagley. They'll try to trade Buddy Heald. They'll see what they could get in return. They'll try to build around De'Aaron. And uh, did you see what Halliburton did the other night? What did he do? He had 38 points with no Fox. Career high. So so you're implying that uh, Fox is holding back Halliburton? I'll, that's not what I'm implying. I'm implying that the Kings aren't doing the best of maximizing Fox and Halliburton. And at the end of the day, I think that the Kings, I mean, you know, you got two guys who play the same position. It, I think it's an easy decision for the Sacramento Kings. I mean, it depends what you could get back for Fox. They recently bowed out of the Ben Simmons trade talks, um, mainly because they don't want to trade De'Aaron Fox. Oh man, um, I'm sure. I'm sure the Pelicans would offer a a bag for for De'Aaron Fox. It's so easy to forget how talented this guy is. He averaged 25 points a season ago. 25 points, absurd efficiency. Wasn't even shooting the three ball well. A part of me like kind of wonders like what is motive. It's kind of hard to stay motivated when your team isn't consistently in a situation where at least they're building towards something. And it seems like that's where the Sacramento Kings are currently. Um, just on a road going to nowhere. They play horribly during the season. They might hit on their pick, might miss on their pick. They don't really seem to have any idea of how to build that roster. No matter how De'Aaron Fox plays, if he plays out of his mind like he did a year ago, or if he's playing a little bit less out of his mind this year, minus the three-point percentage, obviously, then it seems like no matter what, they're on a road to nowhere. They're going to end up in the lottery again. And they're one of those teams stuck in NBA purgatory, which could make it hard for a NBA player to stay motivated. Which again goes wide to I think they should sell off on Harrison Burns while the value's high. Sell off on Fox if you could get some solid value. Bottom out, get a top pick, pair it with Halliburton, and look towards the future. I think there's actually a bright future there in Sacramento if they could manage things correctly. Now, are there any other players that stand out to you, Mike? I mean, there's so many, man, like between the Indiana Pacers, like the Indiana Pacers having Miles Turner, Demata Sabonis and Karis Levert available to the Houston Rockets having Christian Wood, Eric Gordon and John Wall available. Um, there's a lot of big uh, there's a lot of good players that could be had here. If I think the team I probably respect the most is probably the Pacers because they know what they got. You know, they have a bunch of players that could help contending teams. They could easily get multiple first round picks for these players, especially Sabonis. They could get like they could they could swing a home run trade for a player like Sabonis, who's under contract for the next three years, who might make his third all-star team this season, who's playing out of his mind, by the way. Um, I honestly think that 
if this if the Pacers play this era properly and they get the right trade value in return for their players, especially like a player like Miles Turner, I would do anything to have a player like Miles Turner on the Lakers, you know. I feel like they could really set themselves up well for their future. What? <laughs> you look like you're about to roast me. I would do anything to have a player like Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just oh my god! Just rub the you, salt in the wound, bro. Because you have no assets, so it's funny. It's like I'm sure you would. I don't know why. I just feel like LA has done it a few times in the past, and I feel like they're gonna pull some magic out of nowhere. And we're just gonna be like, "Are you kidding me? This again?" I don't know. When's the last time we pulled magic out of nowhere? We've Look. been in this situation very recently. LeBron has been in this situation very recently. His first season with the Lakers. He was in this exact same you position. Guys, we were you guys pulling Anthony Davis off is impressive. The owner didn't want to trade with you guys. The owner did not he, want to. The owner did not like Los Angeles. The Pelicans owner did not like Los Angeles. So you I mean, guys pulled Anthony Davis in, off. What's I up? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I think the point that you're not looking into is that season. The Lakers were saying the same thing. Laker fans were all saying the same thing. We just got LeBron James. You don't know how much of LeBron James is left. We can't waste any of LeBron James's career. We need to make this mid-season trade for Anthony Davis and try to get into the playoffs. And what ended up happening was we couldn't swing a trade for Anthony Davis. Magic Johnson said, I'm not going to be here. And Dell Demps was fired because he wasn't able to pull it off. And the Lakers were, uh, and the Lakers ended up missing the playoffs. Now the Lakers are in, they were able to swing that trade in the offseason. And hell yeah, I'm really happy they were able to swing exactly. that trade. Exactly. The, yeah, the Pelicans did not want to trade with you guys. It's not that Dell Demps couldn't figure out a trade, it's that he didn't want to. There was a lot of friction there, and the Lakers have routinely been able to make magic happen. I don't care what you say. I thought Drummond signing there was amazing. Uh, the fact that Montrez Harrell came there after what being like six men of the year was amazing. Um, you know, the Lakers being able to get Malik Monk just off of prestige, and you know, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook is amazing. I'll even say Kendrick Nunn. The Lakers routinely. You have become so used. Uh, you you become so used to the unusual happening that it's become the usual for you. But the Lakers, I feel like they normally find a way to turn crap into something decent at worst. So yeah, I could definitely see the Los you Angeles. You did not Lakers. just call Russell Westbrook crap. Did no, Westbrook no, crap? I've been That's defending rude, man. Russ. I'm, I'm not like I'm not a, trading Russ. Like, oh my! You see what Lakers fans do? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just. I just wanted to clear the air, just in case oh, one of our okay. listeners were misinterpreting what we were saying. You wanted to clear the air. My air is clear, Mike. My air is clear. Uh, uh, we don't have clear air in LA, unfortunately. But. Oh, actually, yeah, not really in Houston either. No, yeah, yeah, just a bunch of smog. Yeah, it's I actually mean, one of the downsides to H Town. Love it though. Air could be a little cleaner though. The the here's the thing, man. The last time I remember the Lakers just pulling an absolute magical trade in the middle of the season that saved their season was 14 years ago when we traded for Pau Gasol. That was magical. That was insanity. I mean, that's we traded a bunch of nothing to get Pau over to the Lakers to play with Kobe. You know, we were able to go from a team that was meh. Also, one of like the last time, well, not the last times, but I don't know, man. I'm not just talking about like in season. I'm talking about like moves, period. Like 
Yeah. I just feel I feel like the Lakers, man. I feel like, like I said, you've just gotten so used to things that aren't normal happening that you just kind of shrug it off. I'll even say you guys getting LeBron James is crazy to me. It still feels surreal. Like, yeah, that. I mean, go ahead. Like, I I want to hear your your perspective on that. Like, what, what was going through your head when you got LeBron freaking James? It, it was weird because like a part of me was. A little bit, a part of me was like a little bit shocked because I remember where I was when it happened. But a part of me also was like, where else was he going to go? You know, like he wanted, he was kind of in a scenario where he did his thing for Cleveland. He wanted to. Houston, print- Houston would have been good. Houston would have been good, I think. I don't know if they could have got him, though. But, yeah, that's a fair point. I don't I don't think it was about where going somewhere where he could win because I feel like after he won that championship for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the manner that he won it was something that made him feel secure about his legacy. So, at that point, he probably felt like, I don't need to waste any more years in Cleveland. I gave Cleveland everything they wanted. Let you're, me go somewhere. Right. To raise my where kids. I could film where I could film Space Jam. Oh my god, <laughs> Space Jam was horrible. <laughs> Space That's Jam was it, terrible. Oh it got god. you, LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it got us LeBron James, but I don't know. It's like it's like being a Kansas City Chiefs fan. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes, but you have to deal with his wife, uh, with his fiance, and his brother. You know, like it's just uh, we got LeBron James. But we also got like the we also got Space Jam and some of his cringy productions, which. You know, some of his productions are sick. You know, like I love, I love uninterrupted whenever he has good guests on. Um, I love the shop whenever he has good, uh, good guests on. Um, but I think the trade off obviously for the, obviously it's good for the sport for the Lakers to be good and the Warriors to be good and the larger market teams being good. I mean, when you saw the Knicks made it to the NBA playoffs last year, I was like shocked like at the atmosphere in Madison Square Garden because I haven't seen that atmosphere. I don't even think during the time where Mello made it to the um where Mello was leading those Knicks teams into Madison Square Garden, I don't even think it was that loud during that era either. It kind of reminded me of the 90s a little bit, just how loud it got in MSG last year. So I think it's good for the NBA for these larger markets to be um successful and uh i'm glad that lebron came and saved our market but at the same time it kind of he kind of screwed us over for the future once he's gone man we're gonna have another decade of irrelevance wow though that's those are some strong words i mean we are we don't have any picks no one's gonna want to come play for us what? That's not what Lakers fans used to say. And the Nets didn't have any picks, and you saw what they were able to turn into. Now, if you don't believe in Los Angeles, that's another thing. But that's those I mean, are strong I, words I, from the flight, Mike. I mean, I believe in Palinka. I think Palinka is a good GM, but I don't know. You know, I'm a very realistic guy at the same time. So that's uh, a that's a lie. But. <laughs> <laughs> You got any closing thoughts for me, bro? Uh, well, um, closing thoughts. Go, go Pelicans. I feel like that's your closing thought every single time. Okay. <laughs> has it has it worked? Uh, uh, 
uh, okay. Go Lakers. I mean, we need all the prayers that we could get. Um, <laughs> before we sign off, obviously, I want to go ahead and shout out our members. Huge shout out to our members, man, especially one of our newest members, um, West Coast Guard One. Thank you so much for joining on a membership. Shout out to Harry Collins, Zach Talks NBA, Xavier the God, Ethan Rise, um, Anala T, Elliot Bounce, Jafar Abdullah, BG Brody, Clifford Johnson, Ray Gian. Thank you guys so much for joining us on Laced Up Gold. Uh, on Laced Up Gold, we're going to be bringing you guys Laced Up Gold exclusive podcast soon. Um, aside from that, I'm your boy Mike. He's get like Coop. We're the Laced Up Podcast, and we're out. <laughs>